Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Glad you're with us. The final hour Friday edition for OutKick 360. If you're listening, we appreciate that to this great radio station. And if you're viewing us on YouTube or streaming live at OutKick.com, we hope you'll like, subscribe, and share that feed as well. Coming up, we will take a look at some of the college football games kicking off uh, the bowl season underway now, but tomorrow, uh, a nice handful of games with some interest, some intrigue, and then we're about a week away from really getting to the heart of the SEC bowl season, which should be fun based on South Carolina's opportunity against Notre Dame. And what are we going to see from some of the other SEC programs with players opting out after seasons that have not lived up to expectation? Kentucky's one of them, of course, but also like, um, you know, the, the sad news that Mike Leach, Mississippi State, and what can happen there oh, in Tampa. Oh, those helmets they're wearing, by yeah. the way, are some of the slickest I've ever seen. Incredible look for Mississippi State. Speaking of Kentucky, by the way, Keontae Goodwin, mm. their highest rated uh, prospect of recruit ever. Five-star offensive lineman is in the transfer portal after one year, after his freshman year at Kentucky. Um, and this kind of – every time I see this, it reminds me of Mark Stoops complaining mm-hmm. about their lack of money and organization with a collective, and this could be one that comes back to bite them if, in fact, he stays in that portal and goes somewhere else. Always a chance they come back. Just because you enter the portal doesn't mean you've left. You could always enter the portal and come back, and I'm sure Kentucky hoping uh, that's the case uh, with, with Keontae Goodwin. Uh, NFL injury reports, and we'll start with the quarterbacks. Oh, Hutton, real quick, yeah. on bowl games, you mentioned opt-outs and what's, what are teams going to look like in these games. Tomorrow's Oregon State and Florida. I think that has a chance to be a blowout for the Beavers. They're favored by 10. Against Florida. Yeah, I, I don't know what where Florida is right now in terms of the current roster under Billy Napier. He's doing a heck of a job uh, recruiting mm-hmm. right now, adding some big-time recruits. So he's going to get good recruits. Everyone who coaches at Florida gets good recruits and build it with guys that he wants in the program. But I don't get the sense that there's a lot of a lot of love and belief between the two sides, coaching staff and roster right now, and they still have to go play yeah, in this bowl game. Yeah, he's thinning it out more than he is trying yeah. to build it up, it sounds like. Um, I don't think it's a team highly motivated to play in this game is my point. Yeah. Um, Quarterbacks who are out. Lamar Jackson, he's out. Tyler Huntley's clear concussion protocol. He will start for the Baltimore Ravens as they take on the Cleveland Browns. Mike White has practiced this week. He wants to play. Robert Sala said he was going to play with through the rib injury that he suffered last week and played through not once but twice before going to the hospital. Um, team doctors, though, in New York have not cleared him. They will not clear him for the game. That means that Zach Wilson is back to starting after being benched around, I believe it was week 11. He's back as the starter for the New York Jets as they take on the Detroit Lions. Russell Wilson, concussion. He's cleared concussion protocol. 
Chad mentioned earlier in the show, if you're just joining us, the, the Broncos, though, are holding him out another week, very similar to the way Tua Tagovailoa was treated when he was knocked out cold. And that was 10 days later. This is seven days later for, for, uh, for Wilson. Chase Claypool out with an injury. I haven't heard of Chase Claypool since the trade to Chicago. And saw him on the injury report today. He's been officially ruled out for the Bears. Um, this was supposed to be one of those moves. It is for the future. But in the moment, it was going to give one of those weapons uh, for Justin Fields. And I just you haven't seen him catch on. Uh, Kenny Pickett, doubtful to start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for the Titans, a litany of, of guys on the injury report. And a handful of them are not going to make the trip at all. Traylon Burks included. Uh, he's out along with Danico Autry. He is out yet again. Dontrell Hilliard, Christian Fulton, and Amani Hooker all out for this game against the Chargers on Sunday. Chad, this is big because the, the three-game slide here with an opportunity to wrap up the AFC South a couple of weeks ago if you just continue to win. Um, two's now the magic number. They need the Colts to lose, uh, the Jags, but they also can add to their favor with just another win, one. Point being, the sooner the better for this roster because the guys who are out are out. They're going to come back when they can come back. But it it doesn't... You don't have to rush it for a Week 18 win-and-end scenario type game that based on how they're playing could happen. And you don't want to have... oh uh, You know what? We need to... Instead of getting the extra week, Amani Hooker, we need you back in. Or uh, Autry, we need you back in for a win-and-end scenario. And you also give the opportunity for a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who's playing hurt. It's affecting his overall play. He's not impactful over the last couple of weeks, especially playing not playing next to Danico Autry. But aside from that, the ankle's holding him back. That's another guy you could rest because this is very similar to last year. You're trying yeah. to get as healthy as possible as you host a playoff game on Wild Card Weekend. And... Unless they wrap this up, the sooner the better. It's going to be very difficult to pull that off. Yeah, they're not going to have that luxury with that home loss to Jacksonville. They were going to have that luxury winning that game. But now that they lost, this is going to be a weekly thing. Now, uh, Jacksonville and Indy could easily both lose this weekend. They're sure. both underdogs. Yeah. And then lose the next And I think if they lose again, it's pretty much wrapped up. If both teams lose two more times, regardless of what oh, the Titans yeah, it would do. Be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you well, might... You, the, the Titans still need to win a game. Yeah. You, point being, I think you could have a week. I think it's leaning towards you may have that January 8th weekend in Jacksonville mm -hmm. where you're the four seed, you won the division, it doesn't matter, that you could rest everyone Good. and have two weeks to get ready. Anyone who can come back to get as healthy as possible to host a playoff game. Don't know that it's going to matter, but it, that would help to have that, that opportunity. Uh, for the Texans... They're really banged up at their, with their best players. Damian Pierce, rookie running back, out uh, this week, along with Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and cornerback Derek Stingley will miss again for Houston. I mentioned all that just for fantasy football purposes. Yeah. Those are your guys yeah. if you're playing them. Got to watch it. On social at Outkick360. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays have signed a pitcher who is legally blind, and it, this has happened to him uh, whenever he was nine years old. His... His name, his last name is Belge or Belge. Jeff Belge or Belge. Chad, you tell me. B-E-L-G-E. 
What do you think it is? Sure. Belge? Belge. Um, I'm going to go with Belge. Nine years old, he and his cousin, uh, they were skipping rocks, uh, and he accidentally uh, skipped one where it came up and hit uh, Jeff Belge in the eye. Lost his eye. It deflated his eye. His cornea. Gone. And the way it was described was his his eye looked like a deflated balloon. I can't imagine what that's like. But then fast forward seven years after that, and he's, of course, playing baseball, and a teammate accidentally hit him in the eye with a, 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 a poke, and it deflated again. I mean, imagine how bad you feel if you're the teammate that did that when this I was, was reading Syracuse. the story. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, was he at Syracuse or St. John's in college? The story says he was at Syracuse, okay. uh, a Syracuse native. Oh, well, maybe it was St. John's, yeah. Um, St. John's, yes. But he's 6'5", Southpaw. He throws in the mid-90s. Drafted, I believe, by the Dodgers a couple of years ago. And here he is getting another opportunity. Now, this is, uh, of course, uh, a chance to be called up from the minors eventually. But this is an intriguing story because if you told me a pitcher on the mound is legally blind and he's throwing the mid-90s, I don't know what I'm, feel- what I'm feeling in the batter's box. Yeah, and it's uh, that's that's a great point. So it's a trade with the Dodgers, and uh, he's going to start in Double A ball this year with a chance to work his way up. I mean, it's a great story and uh, of perseverance. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody I, I would think of Jim Abbott, you know, who pitched a no hitter. Uh, that's the first name that comes to mind. But yeah, it, it's it's a crazy story. His vision is twenty three hundred to twenty four hundred. Of course, twenty twenty being perfect vision. 2,300 to 2,400. People can even have better vision than that, actually. But And I was at one point 225 before LASIK. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I if you took my contacts out and what that was like, and knowing that that's double what he's feeling on the mound with yeah, one eye. Yeah, and it's, and it's one, one eye is fine. Like he could see, yeah. you know, final. It's, it, he says it's all, there's not color, and it's kind of just shapes. That he'll make out with the other eye. That it's you're, he's pretty much totally blind in one eye. It, it's a story to follow if this guy can make it to the majors at, at some point. He's got the fastball for it, that's for sure. But I mean, a good story of, of perseverance with him that he's he's made it this far and he continues to pitch. I, I keep thinking about just how awful you'd feel if you were the teammate oh, that just messing around accidentally did that and and that was the result of it. Terrible, Chad. Um... I'm sure in your uh, Bible class that with Evie and Lucy, you've taught the Jonah and the well story. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Evie's favorite Bible story. You know, this I don't is, know that she'll like this story as much. but A two-year-old was safely rescued after being partially swallowed by a hippopotamus in Uganda. Um, I don't know how this is possible, but this reminds me of Jonah and the well. Like, this is... Uh, Dockets was saying this morning, like the, the the hippo is the craziest, strongest, meanest animal you could come across, um, unpredictable, and he's living in an area. This family, everyone there, living in an area with hyenas, hippos, uh, elephants, lions, and yeah, this toddler swallowed by a hippo and somehow has survived this. I don't based on just the jaws itself. This doesn't sound real to me, Chad. Yeah, and the, the story's at OutKick right now. And, and reading the story at OutKick, I learned that hippos kill 500 people a year. And they're one of the most dangerous animals on the planet. 
Did not know that. Um, also incredible that everyone in this, it, it, wherever, in Uganda, where this happened, they just started chucking the hippo with rocks to spit the child back up, and it, it did. Like, that, it, that it worked. It was I, also head first. Well, which is, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I see how that's a natural response. Like, hey, that's our kid, you know, and the animal yeah. grabs it. Like, you do something to it, but the fact that they knew, they just started pelting the hippo with rocks and it vomited the kid back up. Yes. And at last check, the kid was in the hospital, but he's going to live, right? Yes. Alive. Yes. I mean, what, a, what an amazing story. Now, in Jonah, I believe Jonah was in the well's belly for three days. I think it's sort of symbolic of Jesus that way. Yeah. Um, not three days. I don't think it was three hours even. I don't think it was three minutes. This, it seems like reading the story, there's not an exact timeline, but it was pretty quick. It was swallow, pelted with rocks, spit it well, back up. And this is the first case where it's not like the kid got around the lake. Yeah. This is a hippo that wandered into this area and attacked him. And yeah, the, according to the report, he, this, this child, his last name's Paul, uh, treated for injuries on one hand. He received a rabies vaccine and he was released. The most painful part of the uh, hospital trip is the, the needle. I, I, first and foremost, we are thrilled that the child is fine. Second, what an amazing story to tell at a party when you get older. You know what? I was swallowed by hippopotamus. Hey, uh, everybody, let's get Jonathan over here. Tell us about the time that hippo swallowed you. Well, it well was I first. don't remember it. I was only two, but my parents said it was a real tough few hours there. And then all of their buddies picked up rocks and pelted the hippo with the rocks. And the hippo threw me back up. And everybody has a great laugh. And you just go about your evening. What a, what a cocktail party story for this young, young man as he grows up. Can you imagine living in that area with lions and hyenas and no. elephants and then the hippopotamus is actually the most dangerous animal? No, in fact, I'm going to use this story on my young children now to tell them just how, how good they have it at this point. I mean, every time I say, you know, you, you, things could be worse that you're, not, you're getting to go to this, this dance party right now. You, you could live in an area where that there's a very real threat that you get swallowed by a hippo at any point in time. In fact, here's an actual story of that happening. Yeah. I live to give my, my daughters nightmares. That, that's what I'm really trying to do here. And to throw rocks in order to scare it. And then they, they were somehow able to scare it back into the lake, which is also, I mean, that's a coin flip too. If you're actually you, going to get it to go where you want or it's going to attack you. There's always this uh, debate about what to do when encountering a bear. You know, uh, some people say that yeah, you, you got to get one. bigger and like yell at it and then it'll go away. Others say be ex just completely still and not move. Davey's going to tell us what you should do. He's, well, a, he's it, our bear expert. I mean, it, it depends on, on the bear. Yes. So, brown bear. Yeah. Lay down. Black bear. Stand tall. Try to scare it away. Grizzly Polar doesn't matter. Polar bear, you're dead. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. They're going to get you either way. Have you seen but, the... Uh, um, but I, I, I say that because do you think people in Uganda know exactly what to do with a hippo when they encounter them? And they know exactly how to get that thing back in the water? Yeah, but they were just trying to get the body back. I mean, first. is there like a <laughs> sound honest, you make? Yeah. Like, is you yell really loud? I mean, it, what, I, I don't know. Is there like a call for it? I'm that sure you can make screaming. a certain sound? I'm and sure was screaming. If it's a certain high frequency that the hippo hates it and will just go back in the water, <laughs> if you scream really high, I, I don't know. So now I want to research what to do when encountering a hippo. Have you seen the, the polar bear video of the, I don't know what this guy was doing, um, but he he's a photographer for something. He was doing this for some type of 
documentation or documentary one. And he's in this like glass contrapted box, but with there's a way to actually stick your hand out if you want to, yeah. right? With bars. Um, this polar bear is doing everything in its power to rip in and get after this guy. And he's sitting there just taking, you know, still images of this. And I'm thinking, man, what are you doing? Uh, how do you keep. At one point, it looks like photos. it's going to break it up. It looks like an and unbreakable cage. he's thinking, man, this cage. is great. I'm getting some great shots here. This is awesome. It looks like an unbreakable cage. Uh, YouTube this. It, 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 but it's, at one point, it looks like one of those scenarios where you're in the shark tank, you know, and you're in the cage, and somehow the shark finds a way in randomly. It, it felt like that. Like you were going to watch this dude's death. Like it, I, I was at YouTube and thought I accidentally went to facesofdeath.com watching this <laughs> oh i didn't know that they were showing snuff films right, now on, yes. uh, on youtube interesting i didn't know that was a thing no that's that's nuts but does, I, I i could not you have a death wish if you're doing that if i'm at no time would i trust the engineering of the cage or contraption i'm in over that of god's creation of the polar bear Getting to me, and you don't realize I'm not how trusting big these anything bears are. If that if that thing wants to get to me, like there, there is a perception of the polar bear being like this very not small but an average size bear that's kind of cuddly, right? Yeah, We've no, seen that with Coke, and but when you see when you see this like <laughs> massive, massive animal, those people at Coca Cola are just ruining the yeah, uh, perception well, yeah. of polar bears everywhere. Yeah, I mean it's like the uh, the, the globe in the classroom. Like the the actual scale model is way wrong from the globe we use with all the countries. The uh, Christian countries made their countries appear larger or on scale with the non-Christian uh, countries, so that they were on. So if you actually see a two scale model of a globe, it is way different than what you're seeing right now. Like Africa compared to the United States or just North America in general, um, or just Europe yeah. compared to Africa. It's way different. Blew my mind when I saw it. We're learning so much today. But if you didn't have that, Gotta if you get didn't rid of have the zoomed-in aspect of it, I don't think you would actually be able to figure out what's what. It would be so small compared to the large landmass. I mean, this, this image of the polar bear that Tyler has pulled up, Tyler or Corey right now that I'm looking definitely at is Corey. terrifying. <laughs> That's definitely a Corey photo. I mean, the, the, the bear, for those just listening, is just covered in blood all yes. over the bear's face as it has just ripped apart. I thought it was going to be that man in the cage. A walrus, it appears. Uh, I don't know. It, wow. I doubt we can show the, uh, the footage, um, but man, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. I'm going to be watching the footage during the break. You know I'll what, Chad? You, you go take a screenshot of this YouTube video and you send it in. That's right. So I'll, we can I'll show text it. it. I'll text it. We'll show that. Yes. Coming up, um, bowl games have started, and Chad mentioned it. Florida and Oregon State, there's some intrigue there. Maybe it's not must-watch quarters one through four, but I'd be paying attention to it from an SEC perspective just to see what the Gators are showing in a game where they just want to get it over with. Yep. You know, they're just simply finishing it out. We'll run through the entire slate of bowl games tomorrow that pair up with the three-game slate across the NFL. It's next to now Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We're watching the polar bear video. If you haven't seen it, uh, just search out. It's a plexiglass box. That's how I would YouTube it. Polar bear plexiglass box. And you'll see this the uh, BBC guy. Uh, it's kind of a Bear Grylls type uh, kind dude. Of, yeah. And he is way too excited about this polar bear being very close to him the entire and time. About to break the There's plexiglass. There's not nearly enough fear in this Rough. man's eye as, right. this polar exactly. bear, as this polar bear discovers the crack in his pod that he's in and starts to get his snout close to it. Uh, harrowing few moments. Uh, Chad, a harrowing game tomorrow in the Fenway Bowl. Intrigue because it's the battle of two programs with Cincinnati and Louisville with two interim head coaches and both head coaches, new head coaches, will be in Boston, will be at Fenway, and will definitely be a part of the broadcast in this game. That's the intrigue with this more than it is the actual play on the field. So Scott Satterfield leaves Louisville to go to Cincinnati. Now Louisville and Cincinnati are playing. Cincinnati, of course, their head coach, Luke Fickle, is off to Wisconsin. And now Louisville's new head coach comes down for Purdue in Jeff Brom. And now these two teams go head to head. It's one of those, I mentioned it the, the moment this, you know, all this started happening after the game was announced, I'm way more into the what's going on around the game mm -hmm. than the actual game with the players that are sort of left behind for both these two teams. Uh, but it's, that's, that's a good one. Of bowl season, that to me is one of the top ones to watch simply because the drama around the coaches that are coming yeah. to both those schools. It's also the first ever Fenway Bowl. They were supposed to do this last year, but yeah. it was canceled. And... You've get, you have a situation here where you've got the, the rough, what, 100 miles probably separate Cincinnati and Louisville, yep. roughly. And, you know, they've met probably 50 to 60 times. But now you get it where, and by the way, you've got a handful of players also who have opted out to prepare for the NFL draft in here. Don't, don't know what the, the game actually has in store for us, but the comments from the new head coaches will be uh, worthy of, of viewing. The, They've played a game. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the game I saw. I want to, did Notre Dame play a game at Fenway maybe once before? I know that I've seen a game at Fenway. Colin says yes. Uh, I, uh, Northwestern played a game at Wrigley one time. I remember that being a thing. But I always like to see what it looks like. 
especially at historic places like that. You got the Pinstripe Bowl that's at Yankee yeah. Stadium, but it's cool to see when they convert those, especially old timey parks like you have with Fenway into a football field. Florida at six and six. This game will kick off at two thirty Eastern on ESPN, so it follows Cincinnati Louisville. By the way, Louisville Cincy they kick off early, ten o'clock Central, eleven o'clock Eastern. Followed by Florida and Oregon State. You're going to see more of that, by the way. There's some other games that are 10 a.m. Central. The, the first game of the bowl season was 10.30 a.m. Mm. Central time, 11.30 Eastern in the Bahamas. This morning was the kickoff of that game. The uh, Gators, they gave third-year sophomore Jack Miller his first collegiate start by naming him the guy for this game. And it's more or less just a, how would you say, is this a litmus test of some sort? To see what th- this is a Florida team, Chad, that last year quit down the backstretch of the season. Yep. And now they're limping in here where Billy Napier has, he's been running off players, trying to thin out the players that he doesn't want around based on, I mean, th- their leading tackler at linebacker. They sent him packing midway through the season. So uh, this is just more about getting back to recruiting, trying to sell the uh, the overall, here's where we're headed more than where we are. But it, Trey said yesterday, it's important for Florida to show well in this game against Oregon State. I don't know if, I think that means keep it respectable, right? Because I don't know if I see them covering the 10. I, I think Oregon State, you mentioned it, could just absolutely destroy them. Yeah, That's one thing. And it goes back to, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose, but also it's bowl season and who knows. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with Trey on, on that. This point, it, look, it's not good to get blown out at any point. So it's not going to look right. good for your fans the way they finish the season, losing to Vanderbilt, losing to Florida State, and then possibly if they get you know trucked by Oregon State, it's not going to be a good look. But I don't think it's overly important only because if that happens – what you're saying is, Billy Napier is, yeah, it happened because these guys aren't with my culture. And I'm bringing in guys that will be with the culture and everything's going to be fine. And I think it's pretty easy in year one, if you're a Florida fan, to chalk this one up and say, the guys Mullen brought in are Mullen guys, they didn't buy in, they didn't work hard enough, whatever. Whether that's true or not, right? it's not a good first year for Billy Napier. I'm not making excuses for him, but it is year one. And if you're coming into a situation where the team quit late in last season, well, that's a, that's a culture problem that he mm-hmm. inherited. And those guys came back. So they started out well. They beat Utah at home in week one. And then it fell apart late. So if it continues to fall apart, I think it's pretty easy to come back and say, yeah, it fell apart because of the players and not Billy Napier as the coach. He's got a great recruiting class coming in. He's going to bring in transfers. And everything's going to get better once he gets his guys in. Again, whether that's true or not, I think that's an easy sales pitch yep. to the fan base. And then we're going to hear that if they get beat by Oregon State bad. And this is the Las Vegas And I think Bowl. they will. Um, you know, I think, I think it's good. This is a good location for a bad team to get focused. You know, like yeah. you want to be there. This is not like you're going to Birmingham. No offense, Birmingham, but the Birmingham Bowl. Or any of these others you want to point to. Like we, we saw the, uh, the pregame speech from... Um, from uh, Arkansas, I believe. Yeah, it was Arkansas. With the opportunity with another win, Arkansas felt like they could have their pick and it would. they were going to say, hey, you guys want it? Let's take care of business. We'll go to Las Vegas. And the, you know that got their attention. Um, of course, they didn't end up winning and they're not there. But here's Florida at 6-6, uh, six and six, over under at 53, I believe. 
and the spread is is 10 points is Oregon State can have just their third 10 win season in program history and they better hope that Miller stays healthy yeah because if he goes down I'm not sure what's behind him for Florida because there's I don't not a lot of scholarship options left at that point Washington State and Fresno State uh, they will play at SoFi in the LA Bowl and yeah Fresno they've had a, a fantastic season. Washington State has certainly pulled their fair share of upsets. And honestly, the Pac-12, the as far as depth is concerned, they're the second deepest conference, team for team, program for program, based on what we've seen results-wise. Been very impressed with what we've seen it, from it's, them. It's been a good year um, because, as the, especially you know, we've already kind of forgotten about UCLA, who had a great year. Uh, yeah, Oregon. I mean, we saw that conference championship game where Utah gets USC for a second time. But uh, Oregon State, Oregon State had a chance to beat USC earlier in the yeah. year. So, no, I, I, I'm with you. Top to bottom, good league. Uh, Big 12 falls into that a little bit as well. They, they've got good teams at the top mm-hmm. pretty consistently all the way through. Uh, if I had to point to one conference, well, two, but one that was truly disappointing, it's Big 10. Yes, because it's very, very top-heavy. The other one's the ACC. The ACC was bad this year. We've talked about that all season. But there is a void there for someone to step up and step into that number two spot behind Clemson and challenge them now where they were almost unchallengeable before. Yes. There's an opportunity for a Florida State, for a Miami eventually, for North Carolina, for someone to step into that spot now in the ACC because that conference isn't very good. Fresno State, they win the Mountain West. They're the champ. They're nine and four, and they've won eight games in a row. They started the season one and four, and they've won eight straight to win the Mountain West. And they're playing here against Washington State in Los Angeles. They should have a pretty good showing for that's that. That's the uh, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, right? I guess, yeah. I think I, it's, yeah, the, I think it's, it's yeah. the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl. Now have a chance at a, a, a ten win season. Um, yeah, that, after starting one and four, the that reverse was incredible, Florida. incredible turnaround. I remember late in the year looking at them at the top of the the conference and thinking, the whole time we kept thinking about uh, Harson. Yes, and yes. oh, this is going to be a nice way just to step back into your previous job, right? When you get fired at Auburn, and then they take off and win the conference. Rice and Southern Miss will play tomorrow afternoon on ESPN. That is the Chad Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, S- Another location that you probably don't get very too psyched no, about, right? Shreveport, for, a, for a bowl game, Shreveport will be coming up as well. Yeah, um, that's another SMU BYU. BYU is interesting. Seven and five, they're not favored. SMU at seven and five, favored over BYU in the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque. There is a great story up at Outkick about SMU players being blown away by the amount of wives on the <laughs> BYU team. Uh, not that they have multiple wives. <laughs> But Mormons tend to marry young, so a lot of the BYU players, or they went on a mission and right. came back, you know. So and they're all twenty five. They've got wives and kids. They had two team planes come down, so they were getting off the plane. They go to these events. They were I, the, someone was interviewing one of the players' wives, <laughs> saying it's funny to see the reaction of the SMU players, blown away that at these team events, you know, the uh, whatever eating contest is going on and all that yeah. for the week of the game. They're, they're crying children. Their minds are blown when all of the wives show up with the <laughs> BYU players. I mean, they've got mortgages already. Yeah, they've I mean, got yeah. families. Yeah, families. In some cases, 
I'm sure one or two of them are grand grandfathers. Right? Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> they're all. I, it, that would be shocking when you're a college kid. And like, man, this. I think it, the the number was like 27 BYU players are already married, and it, it caused them to have a, se- a second plane when they came down. You could see like uh, the BYU team up close, Chad. We saw them a few years back out in um, in Provo. Um, they are physically different than just the the non power five, the group of five team, yeah. right? Because you're most of those guys are 19 to 20 years old, and BYU players are 24, 25. Well, they look like uh, that 12 year old kid that we saw out there playing the game, <laughs> the one with a, a mustache yes. and a mortgage. Yes, um, that that's the sense I got. We were out there for a Middle Tennessee game against BYU, and walking the sideline and seeing both sides. It's not that they're athletically superior. It's just you're, you're right. There's a different. It's almost especially like a, on the lines. It's like a different width to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just they look more like grown men than even the grown men playing college football on the other side at times when they go up against group of five teams. I'd say that when they go up against SEC teams, you're seeing you're seeing similar bulk on both sides. Um, Boise State ties in to our discussion here too because Boise State has not played in a bowl game since 2019 and they could have been playing in the Los Angeles the LA Bowl the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl uh, but Fresno beat them so here's Boise they are in Frisco they're down in Texas at Jerry's World and at the practice facility for the Frisco Bowl and this is uh, I, I was interested based on their perception of not being in LA but being in Frisco and they said we are grateful to be here we are excited based on you know what we're doing what we're trying to accomplish and you can say well that's kind of coach speak that's that's program speak this is just a they're getting back to postseason play now for a team that on the on the routine we would expect to be playing towards the end of December early January yeah, it, when I hear Frisco Bowl too, yeah, that's another one that's not going to get me overly excited. They're playing, about, they're playing North Texas by about the way. what's happening. A huge day for college basketball tomorrow too. Yeah, what's on tap there to mix in with these bowls? You've got Tennessee, Arizona, you've got Indiana, UCLA, um, Kentucky is playing. Davy, who's Kentucky playing tomorrow? They've got a big game also. Huh? Well, I know uh, Alabama plays Gonzaga, right? Alabama, Gonzaga. I'm looking it up right now. Kentucky's got someone big. Indiana, UCLA. And they they have uh, UCLA. Kentucky, UCLA tomorrow. Kentucky, UCLA. Who does Indiana play? They have a big game, too. They got Kansas. Kansas, that's it. Indiana, yeah, so Kentucky, Kansas. Yo, Kentucky, UCLA is tomorrow. I was tomorrow flip-flopping the two. And Kentucky will play Kansas later this year in the okay. Big 12 SEC Challenge. Yeah, this is a great So that's a game day. that will happen There's, also. You've also got three... Um, NFL games on uh, NFL Network tomorrow. Did, did anybody mention Houston versus Virginia? Uh, did not. That's a top no, five that's matchup. That's a great one too. Where are all these games coming from? Uh, it's it, when you get to be one of the programs that gets in that mix of being able to to schedule all yeah. these types of games. That's big. I thought about this with Arkansas. Suddenly, Arkansas is a premier program that now is back in the mix for big time non conference matchups. Mm-hmm. Tennessee has jumped in there. With Rick Barnes, they get yep. a bunch of games, high-profile games, yep. similar to this. So when you can join that group, that's always a good thing. And I'm putting Tennessee and Arkansas as two that have now elevated to join that top 10, top 15 group of programs 
that can have some marquee games uh, every single year in the non-conference. Chad, um, we uh, something I didn't think we would see in the Power Five with name, image, likeness. Um, this yesterday, five-star safety uh, Notre Dame commit Peyton Bowen. He rejected two NIL offers north of $2 million each from Oklahoma and Oregon. Turn those down to honor the Notre Dame commitment that he had already made after a heart-to-heart phone call with head coach Marcus Freeman. That phone conversation led to him turning down $2 million plus as a five-star safety from two programs that are one's going to be of course in the sec moving forward during his collegiate time and then oregon who's on their way back up as well um and the money is the money that i mean regardless of how you approach this two million plus at that age you can you're really setting up your family for a great start for a five-star athlete that's likely going going to the league in three years that's tough to turn down and that tells me a lot about marcus freeman and and the kid and the family, because if he's pulling this off, there aren't many coaches that can do that. Five star that's getting two million plus from two different programs, and he he keeps his verbal and and he keeps his commitment to the Irish. Let me also say this: that's money very poorly spent. Two million dollars on a safety? I know. I mean, Tennessee got a quarterback that's a five star for two million dollars. That's the second rated one in the country. I get quarterback. But you're going to pay $2 million for a safety? If all of that is true, and he had two separate $2 million offers... That's the story I was I sent. think that's poor roster financial allocation by those schools, but, quite like, frankly. And my second question is, and call me jaded, Hutton, how much is he getting to Notre Dame? It ain't nothing. Well, I don't... Well, it's <laughs> right? not... Right, but... I, it's not like he turned away $2 million for zero. He probably turned away $2 million for a million to go yeah, to Notre Dame. Sure. Right, yeah. So, but but I, I don't. It's rare that uh, either this was. Just I'm a, weirded out that this is a story, and I like that it is. I'm like that he's been that transparent, and that we're talking about this now. But I still feel like maybe it's because for so many years with the NCAA around, I still feel a little dirty talking about this so openly I mean, and out front about it that I want to be like this is something that should be discussed in shadows with boosters and alums and not talked about how much you're getting offered to go somewhere. This is also, um, you know, the, the story for me here is the biggest challenge in this now NIL world is truly finding guys that love football, right? Like the, the true diehards. And that's, that's the description of practically any NFL organization. They want guys who love ball. And that is going to in, be increasingly more difficult to figure out based on the fact that every single year, as the rules are slated right now, you can head into unrestricted free agency. Even if you want to come back, you're testing the water to see what the offer may end up being for you. This is one of those instances where, if it, again, if true, it's one where you can figure out a kid loves ball or not, based on this. Yeah, and Even you, if a year from now wanna, he wants out. You also... The market will reset because there's going to be bad money yeah. spent. We've seen that right now at, at A&M. I don't know how much those kids are giving back or if it was like a payment plan for each year, but there's a lot it's of that class like that's that. getting paid but also money up front. After, after one yeah. year. But you want to pay the kids that football is important to them. 
if they're really good. Those are the ones who should make the money. But there's going to be payments made to kids who don't really love football. And then that's going to be figured out. And then it's going to – the market for what teams are paying and boosters are paying will start to slowly go down. I, th- I still think it's going to go up before it starts to go down. I don't think we've reached the peak of it yet, but at some point it's going to go down. And then Do it- you think we learned anything from the Quinn Ewers experience at Ohio State? I mean, I think you'd be silly not to learn from it if you're one of those schools involved. But I think quarterback is separate. That's why I'm yes. shocked that a safety is getting offered $2 million. I think franchise-level college quarterback you could have start for two or three years is probably worth that investment at the highest levels. If yeah. they actually come in on and are Heisman Trophy finalist-level good, then that's worth the investment. Coming up, the storyline we will be discussing on Monday is what? Our lead story based on results or our prediction of non-results for certain teams. We'll see where we go. We'll go around the uh, the room here with some different answers. Get you ready for what's going to be a great sports weekend. This is Outkick 360. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Wrapping up what's been a fun week, I'll kick 360. From 6th and Peabody in Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, I get to go straight these. from here, by the way, to my daughter's uh, Christmas program. Nice. Christmas music program, so that'll be fun. What music will we be hearing other than Christmas carols? Oh, uh, Way in a Manger, Oh Holy Night, Silent. I don't know. I'm making all this up. But I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what's going to be on the menu tonight. You don't mind. Those types of carols. Check out the... Uh, oh, this is great. The Leg Lamp Lager here at Yeehaw and Old Smoky. I'm trying to get a great... Look at this. Help me out here. Um, There we go. I'm now Vanna White. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, here we go. Switch over to Chad now. Uh, But yes, this is uh, Leg Lamp Lager. See that? Look at that. Cherry Lager here. This is a beautiful. uh, This is beautiful. I think it's raspberry. Oh, is it raspberry? uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's basically their easy with a hint of raspberry or cranberry. It's their easy with a hint of cranberry. I'm making up fruits now. I don't know what's in there, right. but I love the can. I it's love good. looking at it. It's good. I'm going to save the can. It's a, a takeoff on a Christmas story. It's beautiful. And they let me have some. Thank you. Yes, you can get some uh, here at uh, Yeehaw and Old Smoky uh, with Six and Peabody. Um, the headline we're discussing on Monday is what? I'll be quick with mine. Um, World Cup final Sunday morning, Sunday morning stateside. Argentina, France. I think something's going to happen big in that match that we're talking about. I don't know what, but it's going to be something unexpected that we'll be talking about on Monday. Davey? I'll go with the football Americans actually care about, and we're going to be talking about the AFC East. All right, Tua's not going to be able to get it done in the cold. And then we're also going to be talking about how Jets fans just want to absolutely fire Zach Wilson into the sun. (laughs) 
two two things that I would predict will happen. By the way, what uh, happens Dolphins if he, losing and then Zach Wilson not being good? What happens if he puts on a show? Zach Wilson. I mean, he, I I said it before. He's just going to be the quarterback until he plays really bad. If he's okay and doesn't lose them the game, yeah. they're not going to go back to Mike White until he's really bad. Then they'll go back to Mike White. That team, as good oh. as Mike White has been, and as much as we love that story, it's not as if he's now suddenly the guy. It's just whoever has the the slight hot hand, they're going to stick with him. Yeah, but he's at least. I mean, he's he's spinning the football at a much higher rate than than what we were seeing from Wilson. Here's the headline I think we're talking about um, coming back on Monday. I think Baltimore wins. They can lock up the tiebreaker that they have. They're unbeaten in the division. They can lock up the tiebreaker they have head-to-head with Cincinnati. And I think the discussion will be Cincinnati, who is going to beat Tampa, is going to be the better team, but they're going to be a team on the road and not hosting a playoff game. It's very similar to their whole situation a year ago with three games to play. Now, speaking of Cincinnati and Tampa, I if Tampa wins this game, their playoff odds go to 91% if the Panthers and the Falcons lose. Um, but keep this in mind. If if Tampa loses, and I think we're picking the Bengals to beat them in Tampa, their playoff odds at best will be 63% to get in. And you know, depending on if it's the Panthers or the Falcons, you can raise it or lower it by 9 to 10% for those teams too. But I think the storyline coming back on Monday is Cincinnati's the far better team than Baltimore, but Baltimore has done enough without Lamar Jackson uh, to win the division. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay, by way and route of Cincinnati, they are looking over their shoulder at an awful division, unable to clinch and unable to put it away because Atlanta or New Orleans figures out a way to win this. I, I think Atlanta with Ritter is really intriguing because they've had all season to make sure to, when he's ready. If he was to get him ready for his first start, I, I think Ritter can really open up their passing Well, game. here's what's wild about what you're talking about with the Tampa. Not a single person is afraid of Tom Brady in this playoffs with this Tampa team. That's not one team that's saying, hey, if they get in, watch out. They're another team that if they get in, everybody's expecting them to lose yes. right away. They're not very good. Win the weekend. Yes. We're back at it on Monday, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central for Outkick 360.